Hey, I'm Sandy. And I'm Nyella. And you're listening to The Fields. Damn it, I told you a line. All right, now see, I got too confident. <laughs> so, welcome to The Field. Welcome, welcome. So excited Hello. for you guys both to be here. <laughs> We're excited too. <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. Uh, my name's Kelly Britt. And I'm an archaeologist. Uh, I work here in New York City. I'm an urban archaeologist, but managed to hit all the historic time periods for North America. Wow. We'll just keep it at that. <laughs> <laughs> and I live in Brooklyn. That's how oh, we cool. met. Well, actually, we met through Chai, actually. True. We're, Doses we're, and we Chai. Been, we met in Soho, we actually. We did. <laughs> nice. We just realized that, and then we realized we, we all lived together in the same neighborhood. In the same neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> but I live in Bed-Stuy. I've been there for about uh, five years, and I'm originally from Massachusetts. Say what? Interesting. Ooh, that's where my mama from. Sort of like, I lived there for 10 years, yeah, and the accent's pretty wicked bad. Pack the cat yes. and have it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. My mother packs a lot. <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, so that's me. Sir. Uh, I'm Nick Suarez. I am a barista slash cheesemonger at The Green Grape. Yum. Yeah, pretty cool. I moved here to New York about like a year and a half, almost two years now from Florida. I live in Crown Heights. Nice. It's pretty cool. I've bounced around to different neighborhoods since I moved here in the short time. I think that's a requirement for New York, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> not having an actual place, just subletting, <laughs> bouncing around. Couch uh, surfing. Yeah, it's been pretty cool so far. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, in essence, for the else? theme of the episode, I'm just going to introduce myself again, even though we know it's, we know sure. who we are. Obviously, I'm Nyla. I was actually born in New Orleans, but raised in Brooklyn, and did a stint in Washington Heights. Meet up, okay? Mm. Washington Heights is awesome, but whatever. <laughs> I don't. All I remember is like my babysitter. Um, but yeah, I've lived in Bed Stuy for 23 years. My mom owns a house there, and pretty much it's. I'm 30, so I'm lying to y'all. 26 years. <laughs> Shorted myself some years. Um, so pretty much it's been where I've been raised for the most part. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm Sandy. Guys, hello. Hello Hi. again. Hello. <laughs> um, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. Uh, I lived in Bushwick till I was about 16. And since then, I've been living in Bed-Stuy. So I live in Bed-Stuy about eight years now. Mm-hmm. And I love Bed-Stuy so much. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> like you're new. So the theme of today's episode is gentrification. And we handcrafted the guests based off of like experience and time and quantity time spent here in New York City in general. And gentrification is obviously something that's near and dear to both me and Sandy because we both grew up in these spaces. But it's also nice to meet people who are just getting here or been here a while and how they feel acclimated in the space, how the space welcomes you or how the space changes. So like, you know, just starting off is like, the first question I have for you guys is describe where you grew up. 
Well, I can go first. Uh, as I said, I grew up in Massachusetts, what I call now rural suburbia. So it was sort of middle Massachusetts, south of Worcester, mm. north of Providence. <laughs> I love this <laughs> And, um, you know, cow towns, old mill towns, lots of uh, grass and so forth, which I did not feel all that comfortable in. I'm an urban girl. I like concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I moved to Boston basically to do college work. So I was there until the late 90s, and then I moved to New York City to finish my graduate school education at Columbia. And the minute I walk, or I should say drive into a city, because I usually don't, you don't walk across the city line, it's like this calmness comes over me. It's interesting growing up in the, in the middle of nowhere, and people are like, oh, you must want to go back and, you know... No, not really. <laughs> no desire. I'm good in the urban jungle. I'm good there. Cool. So that's where I'm from. That's sort of where I got here. I am, well, I was born in California, moved to Miami, Florida, when I was like three months. I lived in Miami until I was about 14. Then we moved up to uh, Plantation, Florida. That's what it's called. Mm. Oh, Broward yeah. County. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Really interesting place. I'm Broward County in general. Uh, growing up in Florida is uh, definitely a weird, weird place because it's it's got pretty cool culture, Latin culture, and me being Latin, I definitely was happy to be just in all of that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely did not like Florida. It's uh, it's kind of boring actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aside from beaches, the beaches, it's it's really not much to do. A lot of retired. Community retirement communities. Word. Um, we call Florida like the elderly's waiting room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Boca Raton and like West Palm Beach. Yeah, yeah Aventura, sure. Florida. All those areas. I mean, that's where my. I think what happened was my grandma moved to Miami, and my parents and like my family on all my grandma's side left, and we all just moved down to Florida, and then. Still got family in California. Visited there a lot. What brought you guys to New York? (laughs) (laughs) For me, it was school. Growing up in Florida my entire life. uh, That was enough? Yeah, (laughs) not having anything to do. um, Just being bored there. And my brother lived out here already. He managed to escape. Um, <laughs> and I also didn't want to end up running my dad's company, which was good happening, starting to happen. I was because my dad I worked for my dad. And he has his own company. So pretty much like three years ago, I was doing all the jobs by myself and some other guy and he would just like stay at home. And it was like slowly just becoming me running the show. And I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Doing so, what? I'm sorry. It was a. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, he has a cabling company, so we do. He would run like low voltage cabling for vo- voice and data, and I just did that for like seven years. After I dropped out of high school, he told me you're not gonna sit around the house. You got that bum cable you were telling me about the other day. He's <laughs> like, I used to steal cable all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how? How do you steal cable? Scrap cabling is easy, actually. So Wait. Do you- 
What do you guys like about the neighborhood that you live in? There's lots of things I like about the neighborhood. I mean, I picked Bed-Stuy. I was living in Bay Ridge when I moved oh back from... I, did a, I, should have, I should have stated I did a stint for several years in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Talk about oh ruralness. Yeah. Totally random. When, I forgot about that. Um, I want to go there. That's another story for the other day. Go ahead. It's a great place. It's wonderful. I managed to, I think, befriend every single liberal person that lived there, and which was probably about five. And I had, we still had a great time. It was a wonderful place, but it was nice to be back in New York. Mm-hmm. Went sort of to, from Philly and then Philly back to New York. I have to say I love Philly more than anything. If I had a chance to move back to Philly, I'd move there in a heartbeat. It was just, that city saved my butt. It's the only way I can explain it. I was in a really bad, rough moment, and that city just gave me the love that it needed, and it was, it was awesome. And I'm not talking about people. I'm just talking about, like, the city in general. And when I moved back to Bed-Stuy, I, as, not Bed-Stuy, when I moved to Bay Ridge, as everyone knows, it's like, it takes two years to get there sometimes on the R train. And I got married and I got pregnant and I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to get to the hospital? How am I going to get anywhere from here? And we definitely wanted to move. I wanted to move to a closer uh, area. I really liked to stay in Brooklyn. I wanted to move on a, a express line and something that would get me into work easy. But I also really wanted a neighborhood. That was my biggest criteria. I wanted a neighborhood that had houses, that had people, and not just a whole bunch of apartment buildings and, you know, fast food restaurants. And most importantly, my daughter is multiracial, and I wanted to be able to give her a much more diverse community. Mm-hmm. Bay Ridge was still pretty diverse, but there was no African Americans mm-hmm. primarily in the area. And my husband at the time, well, he still is. He's, he's not my husband anymore, he's, but he's still African-American. He, um, I just wanted to be able to give her a different community. She can access her white heritage anytime, anywhere, but I wanted to give her something different. Uh, why? I'm in Crown Heights right now. I would like to move out. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Crown Heights. I love it. But there's not much to do for me out there. I want to go to... I really like Leffert's Gardens, Prospect Leffert's Gardens. Oh, that's a sexy neighborhood. I was living out there for a while, and that area is just awesome. I'm really into it. It's, like, right by the park, Mm -hmm. and it's just a beautiful area. And then you go a little deeper to Ditmas Park. All those beautiful houses. I just love walking around those neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Crown Heights is cool. My brother lived out here, out there for a bit. I actually live like two blocks from his old apartment. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, where you live now? With that? You live where? Yeah, where I live right now, I live like two or three blocks from his, Full from his old circle. place. Full circle. That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice area. It is. It's really nice. I like where I'm at right now, but I definitely need a new apartment. 
it's weird as a Brooklyn Knight, I guess Brown Heights have always been that area where it's just like really West Indian and then really Jewish. Like there's no in between. It's like well, both sides of Eastern yeah. Parkway. I noticed that like the other end of Eastern Parkway, it's like a lot of Jews walking around. And then the other side, it's, I, it's a all whole Caribbean. Bunch, but it's, it's funny, like even when I drive around, like when I start to, because I have a car now, so like driving around changes your, how you experience mm-hmm. cities. It totally does. Because you get to kind of see like things from a different perspective whereas if you get off a train trains kind of like compartmentalize like mm-hmm. you get off at this stop and that's what's around this stop yeah. you get off at this stop and that's what's around this stop but when you're driving through you go through all these different streets and you turn down these little avenues and you're like what this is what this neighborhood actually looks like and it's a huge huge jewish community and it stretches so far you don't even realize how far their community actually is and for me the funniest thing I'll ever remember is, like, growing up, you were taught to kind of leave, not leave the Jewish people alone, but, like, don't be all in your business. Because there was always horror stories. You mess with one, they're all coming to jump you and fight you, lock you up. I've like, actually heard that myself. Right? They, like, they got, like, their own mafia. That's what I've heard. Wow. They have their own police force, too, which is not a freaking game. So they kind of police themselves. It's not even funny. Wow. But one of my friends told me growing up that they didn't really like black people. So, you know, me being like a little socialist, not socialist, wrong term, sociologist, my bad, sorry. I like literally walked down the street one day and just said hi to every single Jewish person I saw in Crown Heights to just see if there was actually any interaction because you grew up in this space and yes, I'm brown, but we grow up here and mm-hmm. I see you all the time. My mama buys dresses from y'all because my mama love her Jewish made dress. I can you not. <laughs> she loves the quality. Every dress I had for Easter, <laughs> anything that was like, you know, Important. of any importance for me, it was bought in a shop that was in either Williamsburg or Crown Heights, either way. Like, and she she just loved it. She know they probably charged on her a little bit more because she was brown, but she was like, I don't care. I like the quality and I'm going in there to go get it. I don't care yeah. if they look at me because my mom's weird. Locks, everything. They were like, what is this lock lady doing in here buying dresses? But like, it's just interesting to think about that. It's just the diversity in this neighborhood already and how stark differences it is from literally block to block, house to house. get hellos i did actually i proved yeah. my friend wrong i only got like one person who was like oh, leave me alone little girl <laughs> like, they could have been like that day you never know sure, they, it could have just been a bad that. day like so i didn't really think nothing of it but speaking of it's just like so since you guys have been here you've only been here about two years or so but mm-hmm. i'm more so not saying to exclude you but like since you've been here kelly what have you noticed about your neighborhood that you dislike that is changing there's a lot of things that I dislike about what's changing in the neighborhood. I may be one of the few people in Bed-Stuy that is not happy about all of the new fancy hipster restaurants coming into Maybe the area. Um, I, it's so loud now. I'm sorry. It's extremely it's loud, and I live near some of them. Um, they're also kind of exclusionary, and price-wise, I mean, there's very few pl- places we can eat. I can do the taco place at my corner every now and then and oh, yeah. a few other places. What's it? This Iowaka? Or is that the Yeah, one? it is. Yep. Um, I don't like the amount of people that are just sort of displacing others that now the rents have rose. Uh, the, the building next to me was bought and a guy or his family, they bought the house, they live in Brooklyn somewhere else, I don't know where, 
and they've renovated it and turned it into three apartments, I believe, that they're renting. And the bottom apartment is now a duplex that he's renting apparently for $5,000. Wow. I really lucked out in the sense that I rent from a woman who has owned the property, her family's owned properties in the in the neighborhood. She grew up there. She do lives you in the an building. Atwell property? I do not. Those Atwells, they own just five. Yeah, the best they time. do. So I was just asking. I was like, no. And she she's really young. Her mom passed away from cancer and left her and her brother mm-hmm. the house. So she's. I think a little bit more attached to the house and living there. And I thank God every day that she's much more uh, community oriented and wants people that are, you know, going to be there and she wants to rent. She's not Airbnb the whole thing and she's um, not trying to sell and make them into condos, which she could do in a heartbeat, et cetera. So that part, I think, is the part that really bothers me the most is that if you're going to redo a space and you're going to displace people, you need to put or make other places for them to live, and that's not really happening. I'm also, I'm an archaeologist. I'm a historian. I'm really huge into historic preservation. And what I see being done to these most amazing pieces of history just makes me want to hurl most days. And I get wanting to have, like, all new fancy stuff and... I like my new bathroom, but, you know, I'm also glad that she saved all the tin ceilings and she saved the, the floors. And if mm-hmm. she really wanted to, you could redo the house like it was originally. Mm-hmm. They kept the majority of the, the, the classic stuff, but most of the stuff is not, that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. That, so that part bothers me a lot. That is something I'm really not, like, being out here, I've, I'm, I'm really not a fan of a lot of, like, these beautiful, like, buildings just getting like whole facelifts pretty much and just like getting this whole like modern twist put on them. I don't like I see it a lot in Williamsburg and mm-hmm. like just all these buildings that just look like they're like just cookie cutter buildings. They all look the same with the stainless steel balcony and oh God. just tiny rooms, narrow. I saw a building one time and I was looking at the window and the hallway was literally like this much space, like a yard. Yeah, wow. like <laughs> yeah. like you could walk. One person could walk behind there. Mm, ain't no How do you even move things to in? a bedroom? And it was two going to a bedroom. No BBWs live there. <laughs> <laughs> not a single one. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I'm definitely not a fan of like that whole the modern look of. I don't know. I, and I love old brownstones, just old yeah. buildings in general. I'm really into, and I'm all about preserving them. I feel like they're doing it on purpose, though, because they don't have the houses look anything like the rest of the houses on None. the block at it's all. It's to yeah. distinguish, hey, exactly. I live here. I, I, have yeah. money. I pay more money, so this can yeah. look different. Exactly. It happened it's terrible. when I first moved out here. I was living in Fort Greene, right on North Oxford, next to the Navy Yard. And there was a building that had just gotten put up, and it looked so out of place with all the other buildings next to it. It was like, it's like bright red. And it's got little balconies, balconies that They're don't even, even have real space. Balconies. Yeah, you can't even stand on <laughs> no, them. Like, 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 here's a here's a potted plant. Yeah, like, <laughs> grow your grow your basil. It's just like <laughs> jutting up creative. next to all these like real nice little old little buildings. It just 
I'm not a fan of it. It looks so weird just, and wonky. I know. L- luckily, bed is, I mean, now it's primarily landmark, so they have to do a lot more permitting to do any changes to the facades of buildings. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that they don't try to get around it. Interesting, dude. Uh, but most of the area is now landmarked through the city so that they have to do historic preservation in order to manipulate, you know, change the facade. Hmm. I am traumatized. Like, I walk through my neighborhood every day with trauma. Like, and that's what it is. And then, because like, I grew up in best Eye, Like, I'm a real best Eye girl, boy. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> like, I, I grew up in an era where, yes, there was shots. Those were shots. Mm-hmm. They made firecrackers. Like, you know, firecrackers. Yeah, fireworks, firecrackers, whatever. But it's also, like, I was really tired of hearing the stereotype that Bedford-Stuyvesant was so dangerous. Yes, there were dangerous parts growing mm-hmm. up. Like, there were certain streets you did not work down, walk down at all. Because you know that, like, the whole stroll was not it. What are you doing on Bedford Avenue at 2 o'clock in the morning? You are looking for pussy. That is why you're here. <laughs> so if you're walking down the street dressed like this, yes, you will get catcalls because they assume you're a hooker. That's it. Like, you didn't feel no way about it. You didn't feel disrespected. You just knew that hey this is what the strip is for this is why i see this like you know trans man walking down the street in heels or this is why i see this woman walking right. out with her booty hanging out like this is why and like gates gates was one of them gates yeah. avenue was one place that you did not even during the daytime it was questionable like you were just like the whole street literally if you look at some parts it's just a long project like it was just project buildings from literally like i'll say like Malcolm X all the way down to Lewis or Marcus Garvey. Mm-hmm. It's literally just a whole bunch of like project condominiums, yeah. whatever they yeah. are now. But it's just trauma. Like I walk around and I see certain spaces that have changed and it's all the same. It's all the same bullshit. Like it's wood paneling. You're selling me overpriced tacos. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You're selling me. If I see another fucking Indian restaurant, I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> The only thing I'd be happy about is I heard rumors that a ramen restaurant's coming, and that's that's the only one that I'm like semi happy about. (laughs) But I still could just go into the city for it. I'm okay with that. Like, see, as a kid, that's what was the great thing about living in Brooklyn to me. It's like it was the experience of going into the city. You know what I'm saying? And at the time. There's some really bomb-ass restaurants that were really coveted that, like, yep. you went here for Italian because they really did good Italian. You went here for, like, Ethiopian because they do really good Ethiopian. Now you just kind of go wherever and you might get good Ethiopian here. You might get a good Mexican. But it's so spread out and everyone's mm-hmm. doing the same thing that it's no longer that same quality that you used to have now. It's just so much quantity. I feel like those places are still around, though, because just- I have places I'm like, listen, if I'm going to get— Dumplings, I'm going to go to Vanessa's. That's like, if I'm going to get, if I want brunch, I'm going to either Tom's or (laughs) Pies and Thighs. If I want, like, good Chinese, I'm going to Great New York Noodle Town. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, growing up, like... If you wanted good dumplings, you went to Chinatown. Straight right, up. Yeah. You went to where they you sell didn't go them, to your buy corner. the pound for like $5 because you know somebody's Asian grandma made that. like, And you know it's good. And you know that she made it and it's authentic. That's what happened. Like there were, Even though it was kind of compartmentalized and very segregated in its own sense, each neighborhood had its, neighborhood had its own essence. And that's when New York is losing. It's losing its essence. Everything is the same now. It's going to come a point where you're going to come, come out the train station. It's going to take you five minutes to collect where you actually are. You're like, wait a minute. Am I in Williamsburg? Yeah. Am I in Park Slope? Am I in Bed-Stuy? You're going to have to figure out where you are for a second because everything is the same thing, just a different frequency. 
that is like my neighborhood was very quiet. It was very residential, very residential. I basically was like the Huxville kid growing up. Like I'm, I could say I have a different experience growing up best side than other people because I know people who had it hard, who mama was a crackhead, who they was basically latchkey kids. You know what I'm saying? That kind of experience. But I lucked out because my family, honestly. Technically, you know, my mom is her own kind of gentrifier in her own way, if I think about it. Like, she moved here. She's lived in New York City so long, though, because she kissed Boston goodbye. I was like, I ain't never coming back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame her. <laughs> she's like racist-ass town. It is. Off. <laughs> it really is. She ain't never been back. Only to visit, like, you know, my grandmother was alive. May she rest in peace. But for the most part, she just, she's lived in best Eye for the majority of her well half of her New York experience has been here owning this home in this space so and she's a Brooklyn lady through and through I feel like she's the mayor of Best Style low key like she wanted to know (laughs) (laughs) but like I grew up in a very Huxable-ish kind of situation like I grew up in a brownstone you know what I'm saying like I went to good schools in the city I got to experience the thing was like the city was way more multicultural believe it or not than it was now even though you're getting more cultural people in in all of these spaces, they're all kind of doing the same things. It's not like, you know, you have like this great, amazing Asian section in this section. Like it's no, it's just a bunch of people sprinkled through going to the same pizza shop, going to the same barbecue joint. It's not it's not the same. And the thing that hurts my heart the most is like it's all for money. It's not for anything else. And it's so that these people can say, oh, I lived in Bed-Stuy. I lived in... In Brooklyn, you know, I got my street cred a little bit. And you can also tell just by how they (laughs) walk down the street, they are not here to interact with me. They are not here to be a part of my community. Mm -hmm. They are here to continue its exploitation. And it's plain and simple. It's disgusting how some of these people acquire these properties. You see the Jewish guys in there, like, uh, and I'm calling them out. I see the Jewish guys, because that's who I see. I see yarmulkes. I see the curl. I see it. I see the Honda Odyssey. And not to sound like I'm stereotyping, but they have a lot of fucking Honda Odysseys. I see them rolling down the street and they're always like looking out the window, offering you cash, like, you know, asking you questions. And even sometimes they get a little sexual and they're freely trying to holler at me and it's yeah. very uncomfortable. So you're poaching for pussy and you're poaching for my homes. Like I, there's no safe space for me in a place that was considered a safe space. And mm-hmm. especially for me as a brown person, I value safe spaces in a world where they have taught me there's no such thing as real safety for me. So Bed for Stuyvesant was my safe space and watching it slowly get dismantled so Becky could be like oh well I lived in Bed-Stuy for a summer you know what I'm saying because I was going to Pratt makes me feel uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. totally disrespected and disregarded as a human being because we can't do that I can't go to the Upper West Side Mm -hmm. and be like all right, all this shit is mine now pack it Sure. We're tearing down all these condos. Yep. I'm building a McDonald's <laughs> right here. Right, right. <laughs> okay. also show something about Brown, like about the legacy of African Americans mm-hmm. and their financial worth. Is that like I was having this conversation today, not to go on a tangent, but I was having a conversation literally with my coworker today about economic legacy in the black communities and how he was like, Oh, black people, they don't be doing stuff for themselves. You know, the same old bullshit. stereo bullshit that mm-hmm. you feel like, you know, he's being fed from from years of oppression. But like living in Bedfordside gave me a different viewpoint of that. He lived in Bedford-Stuyvesant. He grew up in a very dark space in Bedford-Stuyvesant. So he has his feelings because he grew up 
in an area where it was violent. He had to be shipped away from that. And also, he's a black man, so I understand his experience is different. But I grew up in a space where I saw people trying to own restaurants, and I saw people trying to have community centers and do stuff for their children, and we just were not supporting it. Two, not all of I'm not going to say we weren't. We weren't all supporting it, because I was there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, on t- my, my, I saw my neighbors there. It's just not everybody has the same mental strength and is able to be like, oh, I want to participate and give my fruits. and They don't see their value and their dollar the same way if in a black person's hand than they see in the regular society. Because black people don't trust okay. other black people at times. We don't, but we've been taught to distrust each other, so that's another thing. And also yeah, on top of that, we've been redlined. It's institutionalized our fi- and our, our financial instability. Like, us not being able to own homes and own our communities institutionalized. And also, we don't own our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It's no chance. It's, no, it's not by chance that all of a sudden stuff is getting gentrified and just dropping like flies because we never owned these properties to begin with, some of them. It's just they've right. always been owned by the Hasids and they've just been sitting on them for long, for this moment, basically. <laughs> so they could tear it down, build it up what they want and get the money that they want out of it, you know? So it's kind of sad when you don't control your own neighborhood, even though you live, grow up and are experience the day-to-day trauma and love there every single day. could say I feel like Beds within Bed-Stuy they fight a little bit harder than certain other neighborhoods that I are agree. gentrified. I would definitely agree with that. Because I grew up in Bushwick and going back to Bushwick now is a totally, totally <laughs> different neighborhood. Like the building that I grew up in while I was living there, they sold it to a Jewish guy and it just went downhill from there. Like they paid for us to move out, all of that. Like they definitely wanted us off the block. And I just feel like Bushwick, they're so quick and easy to give up their houses and neighborhoods to these Hasidic Jews versus Bed-Stuy, where they fight a little bit harder mm-hmm. to give up these neighborhoods. So, which leads me to my other question. Uh, do you guys go to any meetings? Like neighborhood oh, meetings? meetings. I, I did. Uh, they started to happen on a time or a night that I was teaching yoga, prenatal yoga, mm-hmm. down the street. So I couldn't always attend, and they're a little random. Sometimes they don't. I think they finally got to a better schedule, so I could probably go back again since I'm not teaching. But I would definitely try to go. What that was the, the community block meeting. What's the demographic mm-hmm. in your meeting? Uh, there's what usually the like faces. Look I've like? only been one or two times. There was about four people. Um <laughs> Not including myself, so like four people, five people. Uh, They were all property owners. Uh, Two of them, because I volunteer on, I volunteered to like sell stuff on the block to raise money for our block association. So I got to know a few of them a little bit more. They've been there primarily since like the 80s. They bought the houses in the 80s. One's a renter and she just loves the block and loves the neighborhood. So she keeps, she just stays there. And another one, I, I want to say, I don't know where Benson is from, but he's there with his wife and now three kids because the wife just had twins. Um, but it's it's a demo, like I would say the homeowners, the two that bought in the 80s are black. The woman that rents was black. And then Benson and his, his wife are, are white. And that was real. And then me. And then no, sometimes no. there's another woman that I think is an academic She's black and she would come, but not the the meetings are like I said they were a little sporadic. Mm. 
Not everyone can come all the time. What about you? Um, no. <laughs> I, I, I don't really have, like, I don't know. Since I'm just subletting in this apartment that I'm at, I don't really consider it my neighborhood right now. That's an interesting so, point, actually. Yeah. So I don't really see a point going, like, just trying to see the go see go to a like community meeting if I'm not part of that community. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. You haven't found your community yet. I yeah. thought about that before I started going. I'm like, I just rent. Like, am I supposed to be going to these meetings? But I'm like, I've been here for so long. Yeah. I want to contribute to this. I want to help the neighborhood stay the neighborhood. So I'm gonna go. And if they tell me I shouldn't be here, then I'll leave. But mm-hmm. They were, you know, open to anyone that lives on the block. Mm -hmm. So that was really comforting. But I don't know. I wonder if there's also that sort of sense of like, oh, I don't own. So I feel like hands off. But I feel like if you've been renting for a while, let's say five years, six years. And it's in the same neighborhood. Yeah. Then that's part of your community. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Or even if you just want to make it your community. Exactly. Vote? Are you allowed to vote yet here? Uh, I have. I'm actually. I'm still registered in Florida, and I was gonna send an absentee vote because personally, I feel Florida could really use my vote. Mm. No, I, I think that. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I vote here definitely. I vote for everything. Good. Yeah, cool. and I try to bring my daughter to all of them so that she realizes Super that this is the important me. yeah thing to do. It's like, do you participate? I know you've been here a little bit longer, but, like, how involved are you with your block? Like, you know, block parties and, like, the block association. Not as much as I would like to be. Uh, They always seem to have our party on the weekend we're out of town. (laughs) You know, and like I just said, with the meetings, it's been harder. I'm hoping to get back to them now that my schedule's different and their schedule's a little bit better. But, um we don't really have one of those super vibrant blocks. I just don't know how to tell you. <laughs> They're just, it's its not, we don't have the bouncy house when it mm. when it's the block party. We got hot dogs and maybe a couple flowers to sell, and that's probably about it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not exactly the most hopping block, but <laughs> we have some so, sweet people. <laughs> this is something I definitely notice about Bed-Stuy, though. The block parties. Yeah. Every oh, time I'm, yeah. in block, I'm in Best Eye, I'm seeing block parties, block parties. I'm like, I want to see them. The season is winding down now, but you'll still see like yeah. them all the way up to like. I've seen a block party in October. I ain't even. In Crown really. Heights, it's all stoop I've seen, parties. Like, the first week though, they got like, stoop parties where like where I'm at. I always see dude. They got the girls out, but like it's all on this one tiny stoop. Right. Well, their blocks like, are. Moved around, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. And they're the longer. Are, Those they're blocks longer, in Crown Heights are wider. Definitely. So that's why. One thing I want to just mention, especially about the block party situation, is just so there's two ways I feel about them. I am a block party extraordinaire. <laughs> do you <laughs> crash other people's? I do. Like of if you course. know other people on the blocks, heck yeah. Like right. and you, you can just walk through. It's not like someone's gonna kick you out. Like hey, you don't live here. Like who right. invited you? Like most of them are open for anyone to just literally I walk that because through. I see them and I'm like I wanna. Like, because yeah, a lot of wanna, you can walk through. Food. Like, I'm it's hungry. not a big deal. And, like, there's <laughs> always someone burgers. selling something. Yeah. There's always, like, a community table. Like, depending on how much money. Like, every block is different. Like, my block, we go hard. Like, we have the Jazzmobile. There's Bouncy House. One year, we had a rock 
wall, <laughs> rock climbing wall. That was this year, actually. They had a rock climbing tower. I'm not even lying to y'all. Oh, wow. I saw a lot of pictures. <laughs> they are serious. <laughs> they go in. Shout out to 500 McDonough Block. Woohoo. <laughs> <Anywho>. <laughs> Just in general, like, they go in. But, like, my problem now, a little with, again, the demographic and how it's changing, is, like, do you guys see those, like, signs, like, do not sit or loiter on these steps or do not. I haven't noticed that, but maybe I'm going to look for that buildings now. buildings now that, that say, please do not sit on the stoop or please huh. do not loiter on the stoop and i see it sometimes coming up especially on the avenues it's not so much in the insides mm-hmm. it's more so in the avenues and i'm always feel it's like it's so it's intrusive it's like part of living in bedsty is the stoop culture like yeah. you people sit on their stoops that's what you do like you see people you say good morning you say hello you walk through that's how you meet people that's how you bump into people it's how the community feels very communal and i feel like sometimes gentrification is a very strategic way they have the strategic way of getting rid of that communal mm-hmm. feeling it's like let's make it cold here like mm-hmm. this is going to be like manhattan or like williamsburg like you don't really know your neighbor you you don't need to you don't really need to speak to everyone who passes by and they make sure and like also the buildings that they create like look at most of the buildings it's not like they're making homes they make apartment buildings they get rid of the steps they get rid of the stoops and it's the first thing they get rid of in general where was i oh there's a building around the corner from my house um it's macon and i think like patchen but like some of the houses in Bed-Stuy have, like, lawns and stuff like that. Or they're, like, uphill or whatever. So there was, like, these four sets of houses that were, like, on this hill. Like, you had to step up on the steps to actually go into the house. And I guess one of the people finally sold their houses. And they literally just, like, got rid of the floor, dug it in, and made the building start from the bottom all the way up. And there's no, like, steps. There's no thing to climb. And it looks so weird because yeah, all imagine. the other houses are on these little hills. And, like, it got these huge lawns in front of it. And you're the only just one little cold building. And what my main question is, like, being people who aren't aren't necessarily from here, but, like, how do you feel about being singled out? Like, that you are the gentrifier, quote-unquote, that you are different. Because they make sure that the spaces you live in and you occupy and that you frequent look dramatically different from what the neighborhood actually originally was. They make sure you stand out. How do you, like, feel about those things? That kind of that kind of hurts. <laughs> um, yeah, I know, it, I, and I know it's Speak the truth. It do. sucks. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's awful that they would do this to do like something like that to an amazing building. That's that's a huge bummer. I know I'm a gentrifier, and I'm not entirely pleased with that title, but. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've gotten used to, and I don't, I don't know, I feel weird when I, because I know I definitely get looks from people who just seen me and, like, seen me in the neighborhood, and they're like, oh, we got another white kid moving in. He's going to, they're going to have a Starbucks up next soon, <laughs> next week. So it's definitely weird. I don't really let it get to me, though, because, I mean, I'm here making a living. I'm trying to make it on my own out here. And I'm not trying to change it, change the community. I'm not trying to ruin it or anything. So I love the community. That's one of the reasons why I moved to New York is everything that's out here, just the culture and history it has. And yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. My dad was from New York. 
was born wow. in the Bronx. Oh, hey. Bronx. Yeah. That's great. Uh, for me, I guess this is where I feel like it gets really complicated because <clears throat> technically gentrification and gentrifiers are people that go in and own, this is the academic side of me coming out, mm-hmm. take a building, purchase it with the specific purpose of turning it over, making more money, and trying to change the neighborhood. That's not technically what I did, but at the same time, I did displace someone. I still answered the, you know, for rent sign. I still came to the neighborhood wanting to be a member of this community based off of what other people had said and based off of the other things I had spoken about earlier. But that, you know, I think it depends on what kind of motivation you have behind it. But then how do you see that when you're just walking down the street? Because I have similar sort of interactions where I'm in Fulton Park and there's like, they're having an awesome dance party. My daughter's just boogieing it up out there. <laughs> and then you see people get off the train. They're primarily white, young hipsters. And then they just like book it by because they don't want to have anything to do with anything in the of community. Course. And I'm like, do people see that with me when I'm walking to the train? I'm like, of course, because they just see this this small white chick walking to the train and they don't know any of the backstory. But then at the same time, here I am putting my thoughts on someone else that may have a different backstory. So I think it's complex, but I think the visual aspects and the sort of way that the community changes as a whole, like people not taking part in things in the in the park, not taking part in community action, not taking part in you know other aspects within the area. That's where I see. That's where it gives me the rub. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying really hard not to judge books by their cover, but it's really hard. It's really hard because you know. I remember writing this on a Facebook page where I got off the subway coming home from work. It was a long day. And I see these like white hipster kids playing hacky sack in the Fulton Park. And I'm like, hacky sack? Like, <laughs> really? Like, this? <laughs> no. Like, and hula hoops. It was hula hoops and hacky oh sack. God. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm in Williamsburg. Like, yeah. when did this happen? And, and why? Like, if I start seeing people playing music outside the subway on like kids' plastic you know, toy instruments and singing The Cure, I'm out of here, <laughs> you know? I'm like, done. I'm, I'm done. out. <laughs> but, so I'm out, girl. I'm yeah. So, like, there's so much where you can judge a lot by the cover. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm really stuck. That's sort of where I'm stuck. I will say this. New York definitely needs more Cubans, so I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, we, I, if I can bring some water over, I will, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I need some Cuban restaurants out here. No, yeah. y'all do. They have that really good one, actually, up the block. It's not too bad. I'm oh, yeah, it's before. awesome, actually. It's, yeah. it's right up the block. We'll, Is it we'll Cuban eat. run? Yeah, they, they're very Cuban. Right. I'm just seeing the guy in the place. window rolling up cigars. You know, like, <laughs> he's looking at you like, what you looking at? You want one? Come back. Like, you know what I'm saying? I found out a place up in Queens. I think up in Queens there are a lot more Cubans. And I heard in Jersey City as well. Awesome. Queens just has yeah. a lot of really good restaurants. Yeah. It's so it's, good. And every yeah. section is little whatever. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. struggle mm-hmm. 
Like, because, I mean, if we can, like you said, the academic turn is like, technically, I'm not a gentrifier, but you're not. And New York City, America in general, is a place where you move. Like, it's a very nomadic place. Right. So you come for wherever you come. You settle here. If you like it, you stay. If you don't, you go on to the next city. And my family just happened to settle here. You know what I'm saying? So right. even I struggle. Like, in the very building I live now, it's like a consolation prize. Like, I'm one of the 30% that got into one of those fancy buildings that destroyed a whole row of homes so, can, so they can house more people. Like, I live in a gentrified building. Like, literally, it's, it's a huge apartment building. It's 100 apartments. And you can just even see the snobbery just in that building. I, like, get on the elevator and, like, you, like, see people... Like, even floor to floor, it's different. Like, even the appliances are different. So I got a low-income rental apartment. My appliances are, like, Frigidaire and whatever, the basic little white stoves, the little tin stoves. You go into an actual apartment where they pay market value and it's stainless steel. It's all mm-hmm. this other stuff. Yeah. And each floor is different. Like, on the 7th, 8th, and ninth floor, it's, like, wall-to-ceiling windows. There's balconies. And some of them even have, like, their own little, like, decks, like, actual full decks where they can barbecue and have parties and stuff like that. And it's not offered. It's not like it's a communal thing. It's literally just for that one apartment. Like, no one else has access to it. And those people may not even use that shit. But it's a very stark difference. And like you said, those little shitty-ass balconies. We have a balcony literally in my apartment that's maybe (laughs) a foot long. Like, you cannot (laughs) go out there. Why even bother? Even, like, my super was, like, you guys technically aren't supposed to be on there. They're not safe. Well, why put these shitty, exactly. ugly ass balconies <laughs> and why give on me this doors building? So open to exactly. Get to it. Exactly. exactly. Make it a window. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Give me a window. I box. can do floor to ceiling windows. Let's do this. But don't give me this shitty balcony. Like it's so stupid. Yeah. But like I, even every day I come home just knowing that like this is the community I grew up in, and the only reason I was able to stay here is because I found an apartment that allowed. Like I found a program. Had I not found that program i wouldn't even live in the own my own neighborhood that i actually grew up and love so dearly because i can't afford it mm-hmm. and that's what's sad is gen- the generation that grew up there can't afford to buy homes there we have to no. buy homes somewhere else we yep. have to go to long island we have to go upstate we yeah. have to go to the bronx and right. no disrespect to the bronx i lived there for several years they have beautiful places but i ain't going all the way up there <laughs> it's, it's far, far. Exactly. yeah it's far. And it's not like there's not stuff to do, but, like, once you live in the Bronx, your life becomes in the Bronx. Like, it becomes, like, Iron Curtain. Like, you don't know nothing outside of that. That was, like, Bay Ridge. You You kind of stayed down there or went to Staten Island. It's so isolated. (laughs) Like, there's nothing over. Like, I would just spend the rest of my social life in... Uptown. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true. I'll be a La Marina every weekend, like, chilling... You yeah. know what I'm saying? With the celebrities. Like, that's what my life would be gone. Mm-hmm. I'd probably have foreign heels. Like, my life would be different. I don't like that. And it's just, you know, trying to deal and cope. And this, honestly, will be the first of many, actually, episodes that we have on this topic because I plan to have this shit well, again. I would I, love to talk <laughs> about, maybe not in this episode, but in another through, episode, Kelly. like, how do you, like, I've really been struggling with how do you stop it? And I've just realized it's it's not going to. It's been going on since Roman times. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's just it's, it's just part of the evolution of city life. But why is it However, only brown country, brown exactly. neighborhoods? How do you control it so that neighborhoods can change and can evolve In a good with way. the community, right. not against a community? I wouldn't mind a best I mean? that was primarily brown owned and yes. brown facilitated. Like it'd be different if we 
own the direction in which our neighborhood was going instead of people coming here telling us this is what another right, thing does 50 million coffee shops half of them are mediocre and disgusting and buy all their pastries no shade to them because colson croissants are popping but all of y'all like i can get this <laughs> croissant next door so your colson croissant is four dollars and then yours is three but it's just the same croissant yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah excuse me like, even, I ain't got no shade to one of the coffee shops on the corner by a job. Not my job's coffee shop, another one. But they sell dough donuts, and it's like $5 mm-hmm. there. And I was like, I'm just going to go to dough and buy, like, what happens to the experience and their donuts of are going stale to too. the place? At the coffee shop, they're already, like, oh, they're kind of stale there. Right. They're not really. What about the experience of going to these places to get these things? What happens? That's what New York was for me. Like, you went to these spaces for the experience, and they're totally taking that away. Like, just, you went to this coffee shop because they had good coffee. You didn't go there just because they exist. There's so many <laughs> mediocre ones. I'm calling them out, man. I'm going to start calling them out by name. <laughs> I think you bring up a really, really interesting point about the idea of experience and what what is that now? Is it that we just want quick commodification, like quick no, items? Quick, you know, do we want this sort of, are we in, is it because of all of our phones and quick stuff? We just want something quick? I feel like technology of, is yep. You know what I mean? And then too. two minutes later, I need something new. So yeah. You know, yeah, this taco place is great on the corner this week, but, you know, I'm done with that, Nick. This is, uh, you know, I'll move on to this, and then I'll move on to something. I'm just wondering, is, is that what's going on? I think that's I mean, part I, of it. I'm definitely guilty of that because I've gotten off trains. I've been like, oh, I'm hungry. What's within walking distance? I'll go to Google Maps and mm-hmm. see, oh, we got this spot right right up the block. Let's go there. And I do that all the time. I mean, I am too, but it's just more about, like, okay— did you like that experience? Would you do it again? I think part of the experience back in the day is you would find those spots like that or you'd just look around and you would actually enjoy the restaurant because it was good. Now you kind of just go because it's convenient and it's right there. You don't mm-hmm. necessarily ever go back. Point in case, Bread Star. Shout out to Bread Star, oh, which yeah. is now Bread Love. I yeah. fucks with Bread Star and Bread Love. Hillary and Lloyd, they move from California, but they are a part of their fucking community. Yeah, they Everything are. they have done in the last 10 years is, to, is inclusionary. It does not exclude anybody and does not make anybody feel different and they fucks with people and proprietors in the neighborhood that have their own products growing up when they had their store they had a place called jacada juice it was the guy who made his own lemonades the best fucking lemonades i've ever had in my life why hasn't he blown up why isn't he in all these coffee shops you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. he's part of he's from best style why isn't his shit why isn't his shit in cornerstone or whatever that stupid coffee shop corner Corner Grind or whatever. It's on Bedford and Putnam or something. Why isn't he in Brunswick or what is it now, Sumner? Why isn't he in all these coffee shops that keep popping up? Capital One Grounds. Like, these are just ones that are in my neighborhood because I see them. I peep them. I look to see who they are because I just want to know who the enemy is. You must know the enemy. (laughs) So. (laughs) I think also what has to do with that, a lot of these, like, old small companies like the, the Juice Guy, I think what has to do with that is, like, now today people's fear of food and the just <coughs> stuff people put into it or whatever, like the whole GMO thing and mm-hmm. just people's dietary restrictions. And right. so I think that has something to do with it where this guy would let, go to this coffee shop and say, hey, I got this awesome lemonade that you guys could sell here. Well, is it non-GMO? 
Is it gluten free? <laughs> Did you guys see that? Is it vegan? <laughs> I know. Did you see that um, that words. episode? I think it was with Kevin Hart where he was talking about the artisanal mustard, and I think it was filmed in Bushwick, but it looked exactly like something that was going on in bedside. And it was right when I think was I that think SNL was, skit. Yeah, it was an SNL and he's skit. Like, I'm hanging out with my bitches, and he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "Yeah, I'm walking all my dogs." <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah. a great, great <laughs> skit. Up, yeah. You gotta look it up. But that's I kind of almost feel like the, the the items or the products could be absolute crap, but if they're if they're called artisanal and they're you know they're made with like you said, non-GMO. non-GMOs and gluten-free, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they cost $20 versus two. Yeah, it must be good. It must be good, yeah. <laughs> Not to sidebar, because we kind of have to wrap things up, but right. my one last gripe is this preoccupation with Brooklyn-based products. Oh, yes. Everything must be from Brooklyn because the creator is not. Is that what this is? <laughs> you got a good point. Oh, that's a really it's good point. Tr- it's like trying to make these products. Oh, look how authentically Brooklyn I am because I made up the block. But you're meanwhile from like Wisconsin. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Or like, maybe even out of the country. Maybe even know. like, even like, okay, like the whole Mass Brothers scandal. Like, let's like not to divulge into it, but the only reason I know more about it is because, you know, I was, I'm on the grocery side of things. But they were all about, oh, we make from bean to bar were amazing and blah 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 were made in Brooklyn and then they end up kind of be like low-key sketchy in the beginning which you know they're good now but like you know they're more authentic now but like the whole preoccupation with Brooklyn this Brooklyn that's made it like it's just it's kind of like gum Brooklyn roast <laughs> all all these different companies that have just like this preoccupation with being bred and born in Brooklyn it's just to kind of create this on the authenticity that they don't necessarily the creator has themselves which i find is really weird while you exploit the fact it's it's popularity and kind of like and it's not even that good like let's be honest mass brothers really not that good i can't i didn't want to say fucking chocolate bar oh yeah (laughs) don't fire me and nicholas (laughs) please don't And when did Brooklyn get so poppin'? I remember when people used to hate Brooklyn. Like, I know. Not now that we got long ago. Fucking cab, the green cab. Yeah. I know. Wait, the green cab, exactly. <laughs> I mean, me trying to get a fucking cab in the 90s? Not never. Happen. I know, never. Exactly. Gypsy cab for life. That's why I fucks with library cabs. One, because yeah. they take cash. I'm just saying. Like, they always stop for me. Yellow cabs. You're going to Brooklyn? Nah, I ain't no, going no. that far. Right. right. It wasn't until I learned that my bill of rights, like they have to take you once you're inside. I was like, you have to take me. <laughs> I'm in your car already. <laughs> like, you know, that I started Quick, like. Get in. Right. Well, <laughs> I've I've talked to uh when I was when I first moved out here, I was working at a burger place down the street from our job, 67 Burger. One of the chefs that used to work there scouts crazy. He actually used to be a pimp. On like Lafayette and Green. I'm done. Or, oh wow, uh, Elliot. I mean, like right over there. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, back in the day, like in the '70s, my friends and my brother's friends in the city, they would never come out here. They they'd have oh. me meet them in the city. They're like, Brooklyn, nah, come meet us. <laughs> yeah. What? No, no, yeah. we good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, you're in Fort Green, nah. I mean, I get the point of wanting to like support local businesses, right? But like you said, like where does that line go, and how is that? It's one thing if you're you're supporting like Bread Love, and you know a, a neighborhood c- company that gives back to the community, does stuff versus some Brooklyn-based owned 
something or other. Or if you know the person directly and you know where they live. I mean, I do know some people in the area who have businesses and they try to support primarily women too, women-owned businesses Mm -hmm. and their small business stuff, which I think is great. Yes, it's Brooklyn-based, but it's also people in the neighborhood, primarily working moms, trying to make you know mm-hmm. a living, which I think is great. Yes. You know, now people don't necessarily want the I love New York City shirts. They just want Brooklyn shirts. They do. Brooklyn pins. <laughs> That's all it is, no matter oh, where you're from. Something yeah. I have noticed out here are the silly food trends <laughs> that are just constantly popping up. That are written up in the New York Times. Let's not go through this, because if I talk about chopped cheese today, I'm being really <laughs> Well, hold on. What, what is the deal with the explosion of seltzer? Everyone is like, I let, seltzer water is good, but ever since I moved out here, I've seen It's LaCroix not us. It's LaCroix like people who... And Tapo Chico, which is Tapo Chico? cheap seltzer water. Like, it's just... Stop getting us possibly fired. Nick, stop name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> It's very proud of that water. She's very proud. Don't, though, mind you, when you go to Mexico, you're not supposed to drink the water. No. That's what I think is hilarious in general, revenge. just like this bottled Mexican spring water. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I drink it. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Any final thoughts that you have, guys? This is, like, the moment to share because we kind of have to, like, you know, wrap things up. Just, like, where do you see yourself next? Is it here? Mm. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I like that answer. I really don't know. It changes daily. I think I have sort of, like, several different tracks, you know, plan A, B, C, and D, and we'll just see how or where life takes me. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. I definitely want to see, be out here for a few more years, try and start school, uh, get my career going. I feel like sometime down the road I might end up on the West Coast. My brother's out there. He's in California now. So maybe I'll move to California. I also have always wanted, I've, I've always wanted to move to Seattle as well. Mm-hmm. I love that area. I've always wanted to visit, haven't visited yet, but it looks beautiful. Yeah. And I have my one of my best friends lives out there too. So I think that'd be cool. For me it will depend upon the the uh the election too. (laughs) I actually could I could sign up for Italian citizenship, so Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah, married. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Sandy? Um I do wanna leave New York since I've been living here like my whole life. And I've witnessed the changes. But I do love New York, though. I really do love Brooklyn. It's, like, <laughs> it's in your heart. It's, it's in my heart. It's in your DNA. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I travel different places. And I'm like, oh, maybe I could live here. But it's not like Brooklyn, though. <laughs> so I, I tend to compare a lot. But once I found my legit place, I'm going to be like, I'm going to hit this you up, Nyla, and be like, well, I'm out. You got to come visit me. Yeah. I feel the same way. Being bred here and just being able to like grow up here. I was born in Nola. Something about that place always magnetically draws me to it. I think about New Orleans at least once a day, just trying to get there and just trying to live there. And I haven't been there in like three years. When I touch down off the plane, like the minute I touch there, being you know birthplace, you impart energy into that place. Like being there, I touch down. I know I belong. Like I'll take my shoes off. I'll walk down the street barefoot. I don't really care. <laughs> But Brooklyn is my home. Like, it's it's what made me me. It's created my accent. Exactly. You know, it's created my attitude. Mm-hmm. Like, 
my yeah. hustling spirit. Like, I can't really not knock it, and it's never going to ever go away. And no, I'm not getting stupid Brooklyn tattoo. I'm sorry. I'm just not. Okay. <laughs> I I do want to leave. I do yearn to get out of here. I want my daughter to have a backyard. Like, she want a yeah. dog. I want her to have a house. Like, I want there to be fresh air for her. So, it's trying to find that balance. Like, can mm-hmm. I live in a place that's kind of urbanized and kind of suburbanized? We'll see. I might that's find That's what I'm it. thinking, too. It's yeah. all because Let's just the build kid. one, guys. Yeah. Let's just build our own fucking community. Let's just... Change. Let's yeah. build what we want. <laughs> yeah. I like it. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you thank for coming you. through. Thank you for having us. Yeah, you know, this is the first of many gentrification conversations or just in general about urban development and stuff because I'm an urban studies student. It's funny how you're the urban architect, but that's why I mm-hmm. pulled you today because I was like, Kelly, no. <laughs> I love this stuff. Love and hate it. It's like no, it drives had, me ba- mental, but I love it. Conversations. Yeah. yeah. Urban studies is very important to me, just knowing cities and how they developed. And it didn't dawn on me the change in Bedford Stuyvesant until I did a census review. Like I had to do the oh, census of my community and just knowing the actual numbers of how many people live here and who doesn't and who moved. And once you on paper, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> When you start to see it, it's you crazy. Do. It's, you know the economic divide. You know the racial divides. You know where they live. And then map it. You can see like mm-hmm. how the like it's 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 a mind fuck. Anyone who's interested in watching for figuring out like just interested in any type of city development or any urbanization, look at the census reports. That's all you need to start with, and from there your mind will be fucking blown. I'm so serious. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yes. yes. Yeah. So you do archaeology, right? I do. Yeah, drop me a plug. Where can people find y'all? You can find me at, I guess, can I get my email? Sure. It's kelly, K-E-L-L-Y-M, Britt, B-R-I-T-T, at gmail.com. Feel free to contact me. I also do prenatal yoga. I like to give back. And I try to do as free and as close to the, you know, give back to the community as I can. Nice. Yeah. Well, I don't really have anything going right now. I just have my Instagram I can plug. If you guys want to follow me, I'm like eh, it's I'm underscore like underscore eh, E-H. I'm also hoping to get my podcast going soon. I'm hey. getting that planned out. Yeah. Nice. Don't have a name yet, but it's going to be entirely, entirely about music. Cool. Oh, great. Definitely be down to have both of you on. Cool. I don't know shit about music, but I'll come through and stick <laughs> I got a couple of bars. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. And until next time, guys. <laughs> Bye. Yay. Please check out our social media, our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and stay up to date and posted on all our future projects. Also, we'd like to encourage you guys to collaborate with us. We're willing to barter with services as far as if you're a good graphic designer and you want to put yourself out there, come. Come to the studio, talk about what you like, help us, hook us up. We also want to collaborate more on projects, shows, events that we have in mind. Shoot us an email at thefeelpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any ideas or any projects or any collaborations you have in mind, we really want this to be a communal sharing effort. Shout out to Eric Rex at Quiet Nothing Studio. He's our producer, our ball of laughter. He helps us motivate it in the studio, and he's been very gracious in providing a studio for us to help us build it. So shout out to Eric, because without him, we'd be sounding like we're in the basement right now. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs>